You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Good morning, everyone. Hey, hey. It's good to see you guys. Um, it's, uh, thank you, Fernanda, for uh, just being so vulnerable and sharing um, from you know, pain and hurt from the past. That can be such a challenging thing to share uh, and to get out into the light, to be exposed. But I really appreciate you sharing your heart with us. And I really do believe that her testimony and her story uh, will impact many. If not, if not uh, one of you today or many of you today, uh, God has given each of us a story and a testimony. Um, I want to thank you, uh, say thank you to everyone. Catherine and I are coming off of, well, it's been a few weeks now, but a baby leave. We had our third child. Uh, he's right over there, Levi. Yes. And we're going to call it at three. No more children. Uh, God willing. Um, but I want to say thank you to our teen leaders uh, for taking such great care of uh, the teen ministry, as they always do, but especially while we are gone. Uh, thank you to everyone who brought us food in the, the weeks following and uh, just taking care of us in that way for prayers, uh, all of your prayers for the gifts, for the many diapers. Uh, I forgot how, how many diapers an infant goes through. Uh, it's crazy, but thank you so much. Thank you for your love and support. Um, I want to say a special welcome to our guests here. If it's your first time or you've been here a few times, thank you for coming back. And we're really grateful that you're here. If you haven't been out to our welcome table, please head out there. We have a gift for you. But we really just want to get to know you um, and, and just uh, share our story with you, as Fernanda shared hers today, uh, to be able to share ours with you as well. We're in this study, brand, uh, this series brand new. Oh, let's see. There it is. Uh, we're in this, this series brand new, and I'm going to give... A recap, and then uh, we'll, we'll segue into the lesson today. So brand new, uh, there's an entirely new movement called the church. And it's not, it's not a, a building, a location, it's a gathering of people. And throughout church history, uh, there grew a brand of Christianity that Jesus never really intended. This series is meant to give us a brand new perspective on what Jesus wanted his church to be. And week one and two, Brian talked about letting go. There are many churches that are trying to be contemporary and relevant, so much so that they miss the point of what Jesus intended altogether. We talked about the Jesus model. And this, or sorry, the temple model. The temple model, it's about a sacred place, a sacred text, sacred men and sincere followers the church has always been, uh, or it, it's become known as, as a building and not a gathering. And Jesus came to establish a people. That is the church. Uh, don't go to church, be the church. Week three, uh, Mark, uh, Mark talked last week and, and he introduced again the Jesus model. It's a completely new way of doing things, different than the old. And this new covenant, this new relationship with God, it was a new movement and there was a new command that came along with it. But we're a people of habits. It's easy to go back to the old way of doing things, right? We slip back into the old mentality. And as we look at church history we see that many Christians slipped back into the temple model of thinking 
and, and uh, strayed away from what Jesus really intended. You know, we, our worship, our spirituality, our security can be more about a sacred place. The sacred text we claim to live by. The sacred men who preach the sacred text. Or the fact that we're sincere followers. I go to church every week. I give my money to the church. So don't tell me I'm not committed. Or that I'm, doing, I'm not doing enough. But last week, Mark talked about the only thing that matters. The one thing that counts, which we see in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. It says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The old way of doing things, forget about it. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Faith in love. It sounds so simple, right? But this verse calls us to ask the question, what does love require of me? And how we answer this question will, also, will often lead us down the most difficult roads to do the hardest things. When, we, when God asked himself the question, what does love require of me? The answer was, send my son, Jesus, to the earth to be the perfect sacrifice for you. When Jesus asked himself this question, what does love require of me? The answer was, give up my life on the cross so your sins will be forgiven. When Jesus answered this question, he established something entirely new. The Jesus model, it's less complicated, but it is far more demanding. In verse 7, just one verse after this, it says, You were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? If it's so simple, how do we stray away from it? There are people that cut in on our race. There are things that cut in on our race and keep us from obeying the truth. They keep us from the simple, but maybe the more demanding, and take us back to the old way of doing things, which God never intended. You know, the unexpected storms in life, the relationships, the sins, the fears... Uh, these, these can all stem from, from people or things cutting in on us. And where do fears come from? You know, I was thinking about fears, and fears, they're often, you know, you can have fears of snakes. That's one of my fears. Um, <laughs> fears of snakes, these, these things that, like, you might never experience in your life. You might never come across a snake or a spider. Well, you'll probably come across a spider. Sharks. Maybe you never go in the ocean, so not a big deal, but you're still scared of them. But really, like, the the deep down fears, they're often masked in the questions of what if? Well, what if if this were to happen? Well, if if that's going to happen, then I'm just not going to go there. The questions of what if. You know, a what if time in my life, this is a picture of Zeke uh, in the NICU. So Zeke is our oldest child. He's uh, about to turn three. So Zeke, um, th- so he's our first child, and, and he had jaundice. And, um, I mean, it, it can be scary. Um, I didn't realize how, uh, how frequent jaundice was, was a, an issue. And so when I get the call from my wife a couple days after we left the hospital, you know, we went in for a, a checkup, and they sent her straight to the NICU. 
Like, just walk across the street, don't even get in your car, go to the hospital, check him into the NICU. And so I get this call from Catherine. I'm back at work, and I am freaking out. I'm crying on the way to the hospital. Like, God, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what jaundice is. I, it was so scary. And all of these what-if questions, well, what if, what if this were to happen? What if this means his, his life? Like, what if I don't get to see him again? And so these fears, these what-ifs, uh, these what-if questions can be these deep-down fears. You know, what if I'm not good enough? What if I fail? What if they don't like me? What if I let them down? What if they hurt me? What if my life t- doesn't turn out the way I'd like it? What if, they find out who, what if they find out who I really am? What if I'm a bad parent? What if I'm a bad spouse? What if I die? What if I can't make rent this month? What if I go another month without finding a job? What if I don't ever find true love? What if he or she doesn't remember our anniversary? What then? Some of those are more intense than others. But we're going to address these questions and these fears and learn how we can turn the tables on these fear-filled questions and truly live a life of faith that expresses itself in love. I want to show another uh, picture here. So this is our brand new baby, Levi. And so this is our website. If you haven't been to our website, check out our website. This is just a screenshot of it. And so Brian asked if he could use this picture that my dad took of Levi uh, for the brand new series on our website. And I totally forgot about it, and Catherine saw it the other day. So we have our brand new baby for the brand new sermon series entitled Brand New. So there you go. (laughs) Uh, And so, you know, we have three kids now. I just want to share a quick story of of what life has been like in the last three weeks. And there's always a story. I was like, man, what... What stories should I choose? And then like five stories happened in the next 24 hours. Um, but the other night, um, we, we always shut the door to our room because Zeke, can, he tends to come into our room and freak us out. Like we, we didn't shut our door, so he'd come in and he'd be like standing next to our face. And he's like, hi, mommy. Hi, daddy. We're like, whoa. And so we shut our door so we could hear him when he comes in. And so we wake up in the middle of the night and I like pop up off the bed and I see the doors open and Zeke isn't anywhere. And I'm like, I was like, oh my gosh, why is the door open? And I'm like panicking, like, what if someone's in our house? What if someone's hiding? And so I start to get fearful. And then Catherine's like, I don't know why the door's open. And then we look at the foot of our bed and like kind of woven in between our legs is Zeke with his pillow and his blankie. We're like, how did you get in here? Uh, We must have been really tired. Um, (laughs) <laughs> but even in that moment, I was like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? What it? And so, you know, fear can easily come up. But being a parent can be scary, right? Yeah. Parents, isn't there always something we can worry about when it comes to our kids? Afraid they might get hurt. Afraid they might choke on food. Afraid they might trip and bonk their head. Afraid they'll get bullied someday. Afraid that non-organic food is going to mess them up. Afraid that uh, this type of discipline is going to mess them up in the future. Uh, So much fear can control us as parents. Uh, But there's also so much joy. And to have three kids that call me daddy is one of the greatest blessings of my life. Um, I learned so much about God's goodness and his grace and mercy about who God is through my kids. 
And uh, just the other day, I was preparing for this sermon, and I had a few thoughts that I didn't get to write down. So I bust out the laptop, and I'm jotting them down real quick. And I have Levi on the bed, and he's just kind of fussy. And so I try to console him and get the thoughts down, and he keeps going. So I'm like, you know what? I just need to close the laptop, take him for a walk. So I go for a walk, and on my walk, I'm praying, and I realize, you know what? Someone could take my place on Sunday and do a sermon. Someone could fill my slot if something were to happen to me this week. But someone cannot fill my slot as a parent to Levi, taking him out for a prayer walk. And I just felt in that moment, like, so satisfied. Like, if this is the last thing I do on earth, if by chance I don't wake up tomorrow morning, my prayer walk with my newborn son is the best use of my time in this very moment. And it was just such a special moment with God and with my son. Um... The title of the lesson today is What If? What If? Galatians chapter 5 is the first uh, verse we'll be reading out of. So we're going to address these what if uh, fear questions. Turn the tables on them. Galatians chapter 5. So I say, uh, sorry, verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. So keeping in step with the spirit or walking with the spirit, uh, this isn't easy. And I thought of Bear Grylls. You guys know like the, the professional adventuremen. Bear Grylls, if you were to try to keep in step with Bear Grylls out in the wilderness, that would be no easy task. And you might encounter some things that would be fearful, like, wait, you want me to rappel down a waterfall? I, I, don't, I didn't know people did that, and I don't know how to do that. And so to keep in step with Bear Grylls, you're going to have to face some fears. You're going to have to do things you've never done before, but it's going to be an incredible adventure. The same goes with the Spirit. You can't go through the motions when you keep in step with the Spirit. I'll catch up to you later, Spirit. I'll just be right here if you want to come get me later. If you keep in step with the Spirit, you will have the adventure of a lifetime. It's going to be tough. You're going to face things. You're like, I didn't know I'd ever have to face this before. I don't know how to deal with this. This is far too challenging. I don't have the ability to go through this. But if you keep in step with the Spirit, you'll get through it. And by faith, you'll have testimonies to share. You'll have stories to tell. tell. You'll have experiences that will fill others with faith. If you keep in step with the Spirit. I want to read a scripture from Hebrews chapter 11. 11 with some stories of faithful men, men and women who walked with the Spirit. And here are a few, uh, I didn't put the scripture up there, so you can, you can just listen. This is, this is a story of their adventures and their faithful legacy that they left behind. Verse 32, Hebrews 11, verse 32. And what more shall I say? I don't have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. 
who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and rooted foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. Some of those things you're like, I don't ever want to face that. I don't want to get sawed in two. I would never think that I would arrive at that moment where I'm about to get sawed in two. But these people, they lived by the Spirit. I mean, luckily, in America, these kinds of situations are so infrequent, at least from what we see. Maybe over in other countries in the Middle East, this is more of their reality. But these are men and women who walked with the Spirit no matter where the Spirit led them. And they walked with faith. If we live according to God's spirit, I guarantee it'll be the adventure of a lifetime. It will be a lifelong adventure. But in that adventure, you will have to face your fears and push through your fears in faith. Romans chapter 8, verse 12. It says here, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation But it's not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But by the Spirit, if you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought you into adoption, uh, brought your adoption to sonship. And by Him, we cry, Abba, Father. If we live by the Spirit, we are sons and daughters of God. We get to call God Abba, which Brian mentioned, I think, a few weeks ago is Dada. It's not even Daddy. It's like the most basic form when like an infant starts to say Dada. What a precious, precious, special name to be called or to get to call God Dada. I love hearing my kids call me Dada or Daddy or dad. Uh, as, as a child, I loved calling my dad Daddy-o. These, there's a special name. I still call him Daddy-o. But it would be weird to have a relationship with your children where you say, you call me master and you are slave number one, number two, and number three. <laughs> what a crazy contrast we see here. Child of God or slave of fear. Child, if we live according to the Jesus model. Slave, if we live according to the temple model. So today we're going to look at a couple stories. Matthew chapter 14 is the first one. Of two individuals that came to a crossroad between faith and fear. And they had a choice to make. Do I live by faith? Or do I shrink back in fear? So this first story, many of you have heard it. It's when uh, Jesus sends the disciples out on the lake. And Jesus walks to them on water. And and he has an interaction with Peter. So we're going to read that. 
But just before this, just before Jesus sends them out on the lake, they perform an incredible miracle. They feed 5,000 people, which is some loaves of bread and some fish. And so off of this spiritual high, wow, this was amazing. We've, we haven't seen something like this. Or, man, this is a good day. Jesus sends them away and doesn't go with them. I'd want to I'd hang out with Jesus. I want to party with him, celebrate, rejoice. But he sends them away, and this is what he does. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Just a, a quick note here. We always have to be praying. The good times, the bad times, the, the times where we're, we're feeling afraid or the times that we're feeling really confident. We need to pray all the time. Jesus performed an incredible miracle. And what did he do next? He went to pray. It wasn't about him. It was about God. It was about his father. It was about what, what his father was doing through him. And so we always need to pray. Okay, continue on. Later that night, he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. You know, Jesus sent his disciples right into a storm. Why would he do that? How dare he? Doesn't he love us? Just because Jesus sends you in a certain direction doesn't mean it's going to be smooth sailing. When things get hard, it's easy to jump to the conclusion that God doesn't want me to go this way. I must have picked the wrong way. This isn't from God. Or I must have done something wrong and God is just mad at me. Relationships are hard. Does that mean God doesn't want us to have relationships? No. You know the reason relationships are so difficult? It's because of you. It's because of you. Relationships have problems because you have problems. And God understands the difficulty of relationships better than any of us. Yet he still wanted a relationship with us. Verse 25. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were understandably terrified. It's a ghost, they said and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Sometimes what we fear in a storm in life is actually God, and we don't even know it. They thought Jesus was a ghost. This was the crossroad that I, I was talking about. When we have this decision between fear and faith, and Jesus addresses them. He knows they're terrified, and he says, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. I know you have a decision to make right now, but take courage. Don't be afraid. You know, there's a difference between feeling afraid and being afraid. We can feel fear and still be courageous. But it's when we turn, when that fear turns into a, from a feeling into this is my reality, I am afraid and I'm going to act upon it. We can feel afraid, but still be courageous. You know, I want to bring up real quickly, there are so many people, and I'm not going to name names, because there are so many here who have gone through really challenging situations in the last few months, the last year. Death in family. 
uh, challenges in their, in their family, in their marriage, uh, the uh, uh, diseases and sicknesses that are just kind of, uh, they can be debilitating, really. But what I have seen in our brothers and sisters here in the South Bay Church, in our family, is courage. You may have felt afraid, you might feel afraid right now, but I'm so inspired by the courage that you have displayed through these times. The fact that you're still here, the fact that you are still faithful to God, it's incredible. And I just want to encourage you to keep pressing on in faith, in courage. Um, Verse 28, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. These wouldn't have been my first words to Jesus. You know, I might have said, oh, good, Lord, if it's you, can you please calm down this storm? But uh, Peter, you know, he felt afraid and the storm was raging on around him. But I think the three words that he clung on to, clung on to, clung on? Yeah. That he clung on to were these three words. It is I. Peter heard Jesus' voice and he said, Lord, if it's you, it was in Jesus that he took courage. It was in Jesus that he put his faith. If you're going through a storm right now, have you looked for God in that storm? Have you paused for a moment to hear his voice? It is I. How do we hear God? We read the Bible. We talk to each other. We hear testimonies like we heard today. Through music, just sitting in a quiet place, not praying, because when we pray, it's sometimes hard to listen because we're the ones talking, but just sitting and being quiet and listening to God's voice in the storms. He calls us out, or He calls out to us in the storms in our fears, in our hurts, in the chaos we're experiencing. And he says, take courage. It's I. Take courage, Calvin. It is I. Don't be afraid. Take courage, David. It is I. Don't be afraid. Take courage, Holly. It is I. Don't be afraid. God is calling out to you in the storms. Verse 29. Come. He said, this is Jesus talking. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. You know, this guy, Peter, he had such incredible faith. We don't hear any other any other comments from any of the of the of the other guys except Peter. And and all Peter says was, let me come to you on the water. What incredible faith. But you know what? His faith was soon kind of depleted. He was cut in on like that scripture says, and he doubted. And what made him doubt? What snatched away his faith? It was fear. And the fear arose from seeing the wind. Tell me, how do you see wind? Can you see wind? 
You can see the effects of wind, but you can't see the wind itself, right? Wind, isn't that what these fear-filled what-if questions are? It's just the wind. What if they don't like me when they, really, uh, when they find out who I really am? Wind. What if my kids don't become disciples? Wind. What if I don't get into the right college? Wind. What if I try and fail? That will happen, but it's just wind. Walk with the Spirit. What if I can't make it as a disciple for the long run? Wind. Can you think of situations in your life right now where you're more focused on the wind that you can't really see than on Jesus standing right in front of you? In this story, we see that Jesus' mission is not to calm the storms around us, but instead to calm the storms within us. Fear will produce the most destructive storms in our hearts and in our minds. And sometimes Jesus, he might even calm the storm around us. But he will always step into your hurt, into your chaos, into your hopelessness, and into your fear and say, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. What will your response to Jesus be? Will you walk towards him in faith? Will you walk towards him in faith? I want to make note of this last verse here in verse uh, in 33. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. What an interesting thing to say after all of this is said and done. But through this storm, through this scary situation and these disciples facing their fears, they gained a greater understanding and appreciation for who Jesus is. When we walk by faith, especially in the tough times, we come, to God, we come to know God for who he really is. So this is our first story of a man, Peter, who arrived at a crossroads between faith and fear. And even though he had faith in the beginning, fear kind of set in. And Jesus says, take courage. It's I, it is I. Don't be afraid. We're going to look at one more story here. Mark chapter 4. And this is a story of a woman who came to this crossroad between fear and faith. And this woman, um, just before this, Jairus, this, uh, this temple official, he comes to Jesus. Jesus had just come across the lake and a huge crowd was there to meet him. And this guy Jairus comes and meets him and says, look, my daughter is dying. His 12-year-old daughter is dying. Can you come lay your hands upon her and heal her? So Jesus goes with him and he's kind of making his way through this crowd. And this is where we arrive in verse 24. So Jesus went with him, Jairus. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Have you ever felt like this? Have you ever felt like this woman? Despite your best efforts, you came out worse than before. Addiction, sin, sin that you just can't overcome, counseling, trying to earn God's love through a list of deeds, but worse off now. Searched everywhere for answers, for hope, for comfort, for peace, for victory, yet you feel emptier and more helpless 
than you were before. This is the situation that this woman is in. And I'm going to explain kind of what her life would have been like real quick. If you could just listen. The Jewish law said that her husband and her, her kids couldn't touch her or they would be unclean. Everything she touched was deemed unclean. Whoever touched her would be unclean. Whoever touched something that she had touched would be unclean. She lived in a perpetual quarantine from the rest of the world, completely ostracized from all relationships. Beyond that, the Jewish law said that she couldn't enter the temple to worship God as long as she was sick. This is our world within the confines of the temple model. Shutting people out because they're sick, because they don't belong, because they're different than us. Because they might make us sick, because we don't know how to deal with them. So we shut them out. Isn't this what life is like in the temple model? The sacred text that makes up the temple model is the very text that shut her out from the world, that drove her to fear and hopelessness. And Jairus' daughter was almost dead after 12 years of probably a very youthful life. This woman probably felt as good as dead after 12 years of being ousted from God and society. She tried everything and spent every penny she had to find the answer, but was worse because of it. Imagine the fear that she must have felt. Imagine the what-if questions that would have understandably been going through her mind. Some of us, we have bad days. We have bad weeks. Sometimes, unfortunately, we have bad months. This woman had a bad decade and some change. But what did she do? Did she look at the wind in her life? Did she look at the 12-year storm of discouragement upon discouragement upon discouragement and walk away in fear? I might as well just give up. I've tried everything. I would have understood if that's what she did. But that's not what she did. Look in verse 27. When she arrived at this crossroad, this is her response. When she heard about Jesus... She came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. She didn't need personal proof. Sometimes we wait around like, God, prove yourself to me. Show me a sign. Do something for me. Answer a prayer already. She didn't need personal proof. She heard about Jesus and that was enough for her. God worked in other people's lives to produce the faith that she needed, which led her to put that faith in Jesus, who was the only one who could truly heal her. What a perfect picture of Jesus' vision for the church. And again, I so appreciate what Fernanda shared earlier. That That testimony, that can produce faith in us when we just hear about Jesus. That is what the church is all about, encouraging each other, building up the faith in one another. She just heard and believed. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes from hearing the message which is heard through the word about Christ. 
Last thing before we keep reading. She said, if I just touch his garments, not if he just touched my garments, I'd get well. This woman took ownership. She took initiative. She wanted a personal relationship with Jesus, so she made it personal. If you want a personal relationship with Jesus, make it personal. Reach out to Jesus in faith. Don't sit back and say, well, if Jesus comes to me, maybe I'll be healed. Jesus, he has the power. He wants to know you. And we'll see in just a sec how he addresses her. Reach out to Jesus. Make it personal. James chapter 4, verse 8. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Reach out in faith and touch God. Verse 29. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from this suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered. And yet you ask, who touched me? You crazy? You know, there was a crowd pressing around him. It's likely that people had bumped him or brushed up against him. Yet he noticed only one person in that crowd. There's a huge difference between bumping into Jesus here and there and actually reaching out to touch him in faith. Does your faith get God's attention? Does your faith get God's attention? You know what kind of faith gets God's attention? It's the kind of faith that is in His healing power. It's in His power. It's not some magical cloak. She had, she had faith that this man could heal her. Does your faith get God's attention? You know, I want to share real quick, since I am the youth minister... Um, I, I want to just share about teen ministry as much as I can. Um, and I'd love to just have us, you know, share about the teen stories every week, but I'm going to share about a few right now since I have the mic. Um, we have, uh, we have two teens that have, uh, that have become disciples this year in 2016, Wine and Justin. Uh, you want to wave your hand, Wine and Justin? There we go. It takes tremendous courage and faith to make that decision in the world that we live in, but especially in the world that they live in, in the high school hallways. And back, you know, I'm not even going to, I don't know how long ago, 10 years ago, more than that, when I walked the hallways, it's rough. You guys remember, it's rough. But today, gosh, the stories I hear, it is a challenging place to be faithful. But I'm, I'm so proud of uh, Justin and Wine. And on top of that, they're so excited to start a Bible talk on their campus next semester. And it's really cool because we didn't know it. Um, yeah, it's, it's awesome. Uh, we didn't know it, but Wine's Spanish teacher is a disciple over in our Latin ministry, in our Spanish-speaking ministry. And so she's going to support us. She's going to, you know, uh, sign off on it. Uh, but I appreciate their faith. And today, Kimi Funabashi is getting baptized. So a little plug, 130 Avenue C, uh, come out and support her. She's getting baptized. But what an incredible uh, act of faith and courage that these teens are taking. I'm so proud of them. But with God in church, you can come to church week after week and just bump into Jesus. 
It's not the same as reaching out to touch him in faith. When you draw near to God in faith, his power will perform miracles in your life. What's holding you back from reaching out to Jesus in faith? Are you afraid that he might call you out and address you personally? As he did this woman, who touched my clothes? Would you rather be the people that see Jesus every week or the person who actually knows him? Verse 32. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. You know, this woman, she was trembling in fear, but, but I don't think this fear was like, a, Oh, I'm afraid of you. I believe it was a reverential fear. It didn't cause her to run and hide like some of our fears do. Instead, she bowed before this man, Jesus, in awe of him. And what Jesus says next uh, to her gives me chills. This is the only time that Jesus ever addressed a woman as a daughter. He said, he said woman before. But this is the only time he calls her daughter or calls a woman daughter. Her her family ties had been severed. Her relationships were long gone. She had no relational status with anyone. Yet the Son of God calls her out, not to shame her or question her as a sick, unclean woman, but to give her a brand new life as a clean, pure, dearly loved daughter. He did this also to reestablish her in society. To restore her to the pre- in the presence of these witnesses so that she was in fact clean in other people's eyes. What a tremendous act of love that Jesus shows here. But he didn't just do it for those around and, and for, her, for her. He did it for Jairus, the father of the dying girl who was standing there witnessing all of it. He saw an inspiring act of faith, an amazing miracle, and a new kind of love in Jesus. This would all mean so much more to Jairus in the next scripture. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead. They said, why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid. Just believe. This woman's faith in Jesus' power would give Jairus the baseline of faith. An example He would soon be flooded with even more what-if questions about his daughter when he hears about her death. But instead of being fearful, he had this living example of what faith in Jesus produces. And more importantly, he witnessed something brand new in the love that Jesus showed. You know, these stories about these individuals who came to this crossroad between fear and faith, we've all arrived at these crossroads. As individuals, sometimes it's a daily uh, thing. Sometimes it's something that no one else knows about where you arrive at this crossroad and you choose faith or fear. It's sometimes just you that knows about it. But when we arrive at those crossroads, we have a choice to be a child of God or a slave of fear. Whether we choose faith or fear, that determines 
who we are in God's eyes. This choice, it's not just for themselves, though. It's not just for yourself when you arrive at this crossroad. It involves all of us as a church. Remember, don't go to church. Be the church. And when we make decisions like this to stand in faith and to walk with the Spirit, it's not just for ourselves, but it's for each one of us in these seats. It's for our family so that we can continue to be in step with the Spirit together. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. To him be glory in the church forever and ever. Amen. You know, Paul makes up this new word in an attempt to more acutely describe the indescribable power of an indescribable God. If every single human got together and described God and described what they think God was able to do, their wildest dreams of God's ability, the collective imagination wouldn't even scratch the surface of what God is actually able to do. Another version of this scripture says, far more abundantly beyond all we ask or imagine. Paul had to create a new word that had never been used before to try to explain what God is able to do. How does he set into motion his unimaginable plan for our lives? Well, he does it by his spirit, his power that is at work within us. It's not in some sacred text that we don't have access to. His power, it's not in uh, a sacred temple that we have, to, uh, we have to travel long distances to. It's not in a sacred man who he might share his power if we're in his good graces. His power is at work within each of us, within the church. And together, we bring God glory as we walk by faith, not fear. We are glory to God when our faith manifests itself in love. That's incredible that we together get to be glory to God on earth. To close out, I have some questions for us. So to turn the tables on these what-if fear-filled fear filled questions, let's ask some what-ifs that are filled with faith, that are filled with this faith in God and in His power. What if you chose to be glory in the church? What if together we had faith that expressed itself in love and helped bring healing to others? What if together as the church, as the living temple, we are God's glory here on the earth? What if the wind is just the wind? Nothing more, just passing by. What if we believe? What if God were to heal our wounds? What if the tough times in life are not God smiting us, but God transforming us to be more like Christ? What if together we can do greater things than Christ did when he was on the earth? What if we chose to forgive one another? What if we overcame our addictions together? What if we chose purity in a world full of impurity? What if we chose to step out of the boat and let God lead us to do the unimaginable? What if we had faith that only God can heal our deepest and oldest and most severe wounds? What if the storms that we're going through right now will actually spark faith in someone we meet tomorrow? What if we, 
the South Bay Church were a refuge for the hurting, the outcasts, the ostracized people in the South Bay community. What if? I want to close out with this song, and then we're going to pray. And I want to challenge you guys to memorize this song, this song, this psalm. I memorized it uh, in preparing for this, and it has helped me so many times over the last few weeks where I can just call this to memory when I'm, when I'm afraid in a moment or when I'm just feeling like beaten down by the world. When I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise. In God, I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can mere man do to me? Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your spirit that lives within us. Thank you for the power that you provide. God, thank you that we can come to you for healing. God, when we have exercised every other option and we're coming to this crossroad of fear and faith, like, will, will it ever get better? God, we know, we see in scripture, we see in the testimony of our brothers and sisters that it's only in you that we can have healing. God, it's only in the Jesus model, the model that you lived out every day as you walked this earth. God, I pray that we would, uh, that our faith would express itself in love. I pray that together we can be a place of refuge for the people around us. God, I pray that we would, if we are off course from what you desire for this church to be, that you would get us back to it, that we can work together to really be your glory on earth. We love you, Lord, and pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.